welcome to episode 12 of the Media Will Eat Itself podcast. We're talking about careers, content creation, social media, and all the things that make media tick. As usual, we'll be talking to professionals from all walks of life, quizzing them about their journey through working life and how modern media and technology has affected them, for better or for worse. It's a media show about media people, and I'm your host, Sean Weston. In today's episode, William Vigilobos joins me to share his passion for design. He's founder of The Futures, a company comprising, in his own words, designers, video professionals, developers, and marketing experts. He actually refers to his company as a solution machine. From his background in architecture to his fledgling turn as an entrepreneur, William has, in a relatively short period, amassed an impressive resume. In this interview, I tried to tap into how his sense of structural design has played a part in how he's handled the transition from designer to leader and how media has played its part. So, hi, William. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So, so in terms of pronunciation, I might pronounce your name uh, Vialobos. Can you tell me how uh, to correctly pronounce your surname, please? Right. So, uh, it would be something like Vialobos. Vialobos. Vialobos, yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. So, before we dig into your own background, can you tell me a little bit about the futures and describe its rather interesting revenue model? Yeah, so uh, the features is basically a, a a platform that allows you to uh, produce all of your content uh, in a very speedy way and with high quality. So uh, right now, our platform allows you to produce uh, or to get all your graphic design uh, delivered to you next day, uh, and um, and basically anything from social media posts to banners for trade shows, to uh, your own uh, graphics for your own personal brand. Anything can be produced, and we'll send you a result of that next day. We're also launching a a part of the platform that allows you to have your short videos produced under 72 hours. So, yeah, it's all about getting all of those things done for you uh, out of a subscription model. So you pay monthly, uh, deliver to you as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible. It's, it's a fascinating model. It's, so it's a little bit like we have, we have banking as a service. We have software as a service. So you, you could almost call this agency as a service, right? A design as a service. So is this, a, is this a new model or have I simply not noticed this anywhere else? Um, I, think, I, think, I think it's a result of, the, of what's happening in the world right now to me, I guess, in, in terms of the, how... how you know how people just look at a look at a video and they, they have it's a, it's a it's a it's a game of patience as well. People want things right now, right there and then, and so it's interesting that you say that. So the the software as a business, the SaaS model, uh, is an interesting one because this is kind of similar, but this is <clears throat> this is more like a um, DAS, you will say. So it's design as a service. Yeah, talent, uh, talent as a service as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 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 I mean. So I think it comes down to the frustration that you see in agencies nowadays or in enter- small to medium-sized enterprises of uh, having to hire someone that can deliver two or three things per week mm-hmm. and that being really, really at a high cost. Uh, so, you know, us coming from design backgrounds, we, we know how long it can take, we know how much we can manage, and we know we can be faster and better. So... We just kind of created this system in which um, 
you allow uh, enterprises to get things quickly at an affordable price, uh, so affordable price, and at a at a price point that uh, you don't have to look at your accounts all the time and, yeah. and, and feel like you're being ripped off. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what you're getting uh, for your money. So, and and you're quite a young business. Yet you already have a fairly large team of of creative talent. So, how, how's business going so far? Good, really good, really good. Uh, so you know we, we we're growing month by month, and then you know we we came from a from a kind of an agency model, and um, this started developing because we realized that we were having different ways of communications uh, with customers, and 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 then we start to see a pattern in which uh, most of them the biggest pain they had was on the creative side, was on getting the content part produced, um, people that produce content. It's always a struggle for them to interview a specific person that understands their brand. With us, you get the whole team. You get mm-hmm. the whole team backing you up. So it's basically that you can get a design arm or a you know audiovisual arm backing up your whole business, uh, and then they're always there. And all you have to do is just pick up your phone and just request something. Gosh, that's a nice feeling. It it, it does. It it feels really interesting. Such a new way of doing things. All right, so we've we've got a little bit of background about your business now. So let's talk about you in particular. You bring plenty of design experience to the table yourself. I think your early career, from from my research, is such an impressive list of architectural uh, names, such as Smith Group and and uh, Conning Eisenberg and and Foster and Partners. Um, mm-hmm. So, what role did you play in the in the likes of uh, Apple's headquarters, for instance? So, uh, Apple headquarters. So, I was work. That that's a job that I worked on with uh, Norman Foster. Um, I think he's. I don't know if you know him. He's a he's a he's an architect here in the I, UK. I think there are so many people who know Sir Norman Foster. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, he did, for example, the Gherkin, if you can. Yes. If you can recall that, or the Millennium Bridge, or the Reichstag in Berlin. Uh, so that's uh, so yeah. So my background has always been in, in design and communications. So I, you know, I, I I've been uh, involved in radio, uh, architectural design, interior design, product design, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so for a few years, I was uh, acting as an architect in, as one of the media that I that I was, uh, you know, deploying myself on. Mm-hmm. And at the Apple headquarters uh it's a large project which i think by now is just finished or it's still you know they're always working on it uh, i think on that specific project i was on the whole uh hospitality area uh, the place where basically all the apple staff will congregate and and get together yeah. so you know it's such a large project that you know and such a large team that you you get a portion of that and you design it oh, and so it's I was huge, part of that. isn't it it's yeah, huge yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was part of the design team for that, and it's still ongoing. There's still bits and bobs that they're still doing. Um, so yeah, I remember uh, being in the office, and one of my bosses had a. He said, "Oh, I just came from San Francisco, and I just and this was years ago now, uh, and we just had a, a meeting with with Steve, Steve Jobs, uh, and so for me to be just like <laughs> one person away from Steve Jobs was was a big deal you know I was much younger so I was like wow okay he just had a meeting with Steve Jobs and he's <laughs> coming here with like this is what we're doing for them now yeah yeah so, I bet yeah, yeah. and you, you actually achieved uh, your, your Masters of Architecture from, from Syracuse University so uh, so am I right in saying that, that Foster and Partners was your first proper role then a chance to sort of flex your design muscle for, for hard currency for a good salary yeah 
Right. Yeah. For yeah. For, 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 for yeah. In exchange. In exchange for the economics. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But before <laughs> that, I was in, in, in before that I was working in in LA and in different places uh, doing uh, several architecture uh, gigs, basically. Okay. Yeah. So you always have that background. So from architecture mm-hmm. to leading a design studio, what came after Foster and Partners? So after Foster and Partners, I actually went on to lead uh, a few teams of. Uh, designers in, in the product and interior design world and architecture world. So uh, I, I went from being a full-on designer to somebody that was leading teams that did design, and this actually gave me a tons of exposure to 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 clients, to customers, to uh, you know face to face dealing with the actual issues and, and 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 pains and things that people go through through this and. Uh, through that, uh, through that, I had to also lead, you know, over 15 people that were uh, doing the design for these clients, and and I had to be basically the translator. I had to be like, the, the client wants this. They have a certain language. Uh, I had yeah. to trans- I had to translate this to the designers who also have a different language and also have a different need, and the the way they communicate is not necessarily the way the client wants to be communicated to. So I had to be somebody like, you know, the client wants to see timelines. The client wants to see they're getting good for their money and things like that. The designer wants to see uh, the, the, the thing that inspires us the most to fruition. So I was always that bridge in between. So I came from a design background and I went on to a leadership background, which I had to not only make people uh, or not make people, but have people uh, be inspired to get things done. And, and at the same time, uh, I had to let the clients know that they were in good hands. Yes. So, yeah. Well, what was that transition like for you? Did the demands of leadership feel natural to you or, or did it have its own challenges? No, no, no. I, I, you know, I, th- I think it felt natural. And at the same time, it had some challenges and it still has some challenges today. I, I think, um, uh, first of all, uh, I love it. So I love, uh, I, I love. Uh, having a team that you can count on, and I love having a team that you can you can inspire and motivate, and is, is pumped up at the end of the week, and is full of energy. Because that's the case that we have right now at the futures. But I I to learn that I had to go through a process of uh, uh, through a curve, you know, in which I had to understand that leadership not only comes from it, it, leadership isn't telling people what to do. Leadership is. Is being somebody that carries a vision, and it sounds so cliche, but it's, it is so true. It's somebody that carries out a vision, and he manages, and that person manages to explain that vision to the rest of, of the team, and they manage to see that you're a tribe, and you're going to the same place, and if I take care of you, you'll take care of me, and that we're here to take care of each other. So I think leadership is about making people feel safe, because eventually those people will take care of you and your business. Yes. I mean, that's a really good good uh, synopsis. So I, I read a great article about uh, leadership recently that really described the we, – we tend to think of a, of a leader as someone who pulls a team along with them or pulls them with their vision. And this article went on to explain how a good leader is someone who gets talent around them and then pushes them. It's not about pulling them in your direction. It's about pushing them to achieve more. Yeah, it's, it's about empowering them. So it's, yes. it's, it's, it's making them feel that it, it, together we're going to achieve great, amazing things, mm-hmm. amazing things. And it's also about being able to be very honest and, and, and vulnerable all at the same time. So when somebody is not picking up, uh, you know, or doing things in the right way, you just you should be able to create an ecosystem that honesty is part of the conversation. And you can say, hey, 
you haven't been doing this, but there's probably something behind that. So one thing that I learned also was that when somebody in a team doesn't do something that seems, um, does something that is irregular, for example, they come late when they never come late. Mm-hmm. It's never, it's usually, it's, it's hardly ever that that person wants to do it, is doing it on purpose. And it, there's always something else. And you have to be able to sit down with that person and talk. Okay, so is everything okay? How how are things going? How are things going at home? So without meddling too much uh, and, and, and allowing them to open up as, as much as they want to, finding out that you know at the end of the day there's a human on the other side of uh, of the of the desk or of the screen, and that person has human issues just like you do. And and those things sometimes it's life, you know. Life life is life is everything we do. We spend a lot of time at work, so. Uh, it's not all about business life. yeah it's not all about business is it they, these are real people yeah so it's it, actually yeah about relationships yeah it hasn't really taken you long to fall into the entrepreneurialism side of things either has it so can you describe that moment you realized that you could set out and create a business of your own and make a success of it yeah so um i think i always had that bug uh i think even when i was uh you know doing my corporate jobs uh uh you know I can say up to the 10 years ago, I was always in, you know, trial and error, trying things in, in the evenings and on weekends and, and always doing little gigs here and there. Uh, sometimes just kind of getting myself in trouble <laughs> even at the workplace because I would like, had the, I mean, my mind would be exposed to so many things that I wanted to achieve. Um, so, uh, yeah, so uh, during that time, I was tr- trying some things here and there. I, you know, after a while, I realized that when you do a business, sometimes you have to find a way to go all in, and, and that takes a takes some risk. It takes it takes for you to leave that the comfort zone of having a salary and a and a schedule that you can control to something that is very uh, um, how do you say unnerving and then that, that it's a very uh, yeah. you 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 don't you, you don't foresee what's going to happen. It's very new, and I think that decision came to me. Uh, for an emotional place. It, it came to me at the point in which uh, my mom passed and I realized that uh, a lot of the things that gave me stability in terms of the workplace, I was doing because I felt like I could provide to her and travel her and, and nurture her and make her feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, once she's gone, I, 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 you know, I, had, I, I could put those, me making resources, and then I'm talking about economics, on the side and being like, well, you know, now I can just eat bread and butter for whatever years and try something because I don't have to have this amount of money in the bank in order to to protect somebody else yeah. right now. Yeah. So, so that 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 was that was a turning point. That was a catalyst for for me to take more action and go full in, uh, full on. And so I, I turned down uh, a proposal to get a better status uh, at the workplace. I turned out, I turned down a, a an increase in my salary. I turned all of that down. And went off on my own. And still, at the beginning, it was like, you know, drilling through it, hard work, figuring things out. Uh, and then at some point, I figured out that I actually I could actually talk to people and sell. And that was a big discovery in the business. Because, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Learning something about yourself. It's, it's interesting because I, oft, I often ask this question of entrepreneurs, and it's always a difficult question for them to answer because it, many entrepreneurs are naturally risk-averse they, they, it just be, it's part of them. And you just said it yourself. It was a part of you very early, but your family circumstances sort of uh, held you 
back in a way where it was family was first. It was about the care. It was about making sure I, I, I put those things on the table. And then, you know, sadly, your, your mum passing was, was another door opening for you in terms of what you were going to do next. Yeah, it, it is incredible to say that way, but it's actually the way it happened too. Mm. All right. So, well, let's, well, let's it, at this point let's get a bit nerdy. Then let's get a bit geeky about about the okay. day, the day to day running of of a design studio. So tell me about some of the challenges of operating um, a, a creative uh, environment and how you overcome them. Right. Yeah. So so in terms of that, you know, uh, we no longer see. We probably were a design studio at some point, but we uh, saw ourselves as that. We no longer see ourselves a as a as a as a studio. Mm-hmm. I think we see ourselves uh, as a solution machine, as you know, as oh, something I like, like that. I like that. Yeah, because I think that's what a company is. A company is literally just a, a machine that is constantly internally trying to come up with solutions that. When they come to the outside, the receiver, in this case, customers uh, that benefit from it, see it as like, okay, you just, you know, you just relieve a pain that I had. That's that's what it is. So internally, we just always like, what do we do? How do we structure this? How do we operate this way? How do we do it? And we're constantly like, basically, oiling the machine, putting more gasoline into it, and and that has to do with the yeah, with, with what happens inside. So. Um, I think your question was, what were the challenges on that, right? Mm, yeah. So, so yeah. So, I think you know, you can divide this in three things. You can you can say it's, there's always the product, the operations, and the and the sales. The sales is the fuel. The operations is basically the the, the moving parts that that make it happen. Uh, and and the product itself is is that thing that you're producing to to put out uh, to the world. So. Uh, in terms of a uh, product, we're always refining that. I think operations is a key part on this whole machine. Operations is something that we're constantly paying attention to and all constantly refining. And, uh, and it comes down to putting yourself on the shoes of the receiver, of the customer. Mm. Yeah, so how are they going to perceive you or your product uh, if you establish this process this way and that way? And, you know, and that comes with the feedback that they, 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 the answers are in what they tell you and what they give you. So they're constantly telling you, oh, I received this uh, 30 minutes late and I had to print it out because I needed it for a, at a very important meeting. So then that's, that's when you start thinking, okay, I think, and also it, it helps to shape your product because you, you just start thinking, okay, I think customers are asking for something quicker than what they're receiving for usual designers. Usual designers are giving you couple of pieces every three days. So that's where we started reducing our time. What's the shortest amount of time? In this case, we decided that it was next day delivery, so 24 to 36 hours, that we can give somebody something that they can utilize uh, and that relieves that pain. So yeah. we say, okay, let's, let's offer this next day delivery thing. And that comes with some uh, operational stuff <laughs> that we had to deal with, which is, you know, at the beginning I thought, well, we're just gonna send emails to our staff and we're just gonna tell them, do that, follow the brief and do uh, and receive that. But at the end of the day, we realize that it's also about building a culture within the company in which people can collaborate within each other and find solutions to things. So they don't go only to me or to the head of operations. They, they to, go to one another. Yeah, they yeah. go to one another. So you create that symbiotic thing. And at the same time, in order for them to be comfortable going to one with one another, you have to make them meet. You have to make uh, create meetings that are exciting 
that we have, for example, every Friday we have a, a team, a creative team meeting, and everyone is just pumped up. And if you look, if you if you listen to that meeting, sixty percent of that meeting is everyone's laughing and having fun, <laughs> uh, and, and we touch into serious aspects, but we also summarize what went well and what didn't go that well that week, for example. Yeah. And at the same time, we do something like this: uh, last meeting we just baptize one of the teams and we say okay we're gonna go everyone comes up with three amazing words that relates to what we do and uh, we go to a body system and then and the solution for that the naming of that came from them so they feel more uh they have ownership of the system as well yeah and I, I wonder if you can only really do that when you're a very small business i mean it, it must be very difficult to try to get that environment to try to structure that if say you have 100 or 200 people uh, you know, we, we are trying to, I was listening to something actually this morning, and it said, uh, you, there, is, there is a way in which you look, look at business in which you say, okay, this works. But the way we want to look at the business is, this works and it can be duplic- duplicated. Mm. So that's what we're trying to work on. So right now we created basically what we, what we call a, a nucleus. So the, we, we have a few prototype teams. We are wanting to go to, to over 200 people. Right now we're over 20. Yeah. So... So what we created was a, a prototype, and we, uh, we, we're studying how they're behaving, and we, we always tell them, whatever, that you, whatever it is that you're doing, we're going to replicate on the next team, and we're going to replicate on the next team. So let's get this one right, let's get this one right, let's get this right. Mm. How are you marketing your business? So marketing. Uh, marketing is uh, it's all about storytelling. So right now, we're actually preparing a campaign. Uh, a lot of the customers that we get right now are through uh, through recommendations and word of mouth. So we're very fortunate and very lucky. Uh, we are going to be at a trade show in March, a huge uh, trade uh, a huge marketing trade show in in the month of March in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also we are uh, we have affiliates, so um, people that are um, that basically have a customer base and they really think that our our service is good for that customer base so they you know they 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 send us they send them our way and you know they benefit from that as well yes yeah yeah referrals um, yeah yeah so so do, do you think it's easier these days to to start a business taking into account the tools at our disposable such as the internet mobile devices and so on or do you think it's just as hard as it's ever been and <laughs> it's always a challenge um, I think I think it's pretty easy. I think the hardest thing is uh, the that that you have the right attitude mm. towards it. Yeah. I think I think it comes down to to you. It comes down to the person that wants to start the business. Because I I seen people starting businesses in twenty minutes. And yeah, you can set up a company. You can have a logo. You can have a piece of branding. You can put your social media up, and you can start calling people. But if you give up after a couple of weeks. Then, then you, the, the biggest thing that the business needs is already failing, which is you have to have an attitude of, of resilience and persistence and, 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 and drive. That's determination. Yeah, Absolutely. and that, com- that comes from somewhere. I mean, I explained to you uh, what some of my, I have my own professional ambitions, but I also have my emotional, uh, I guess, uh, firecrackers <laughs> behind me saying go forward you know yeah so that, everyone that, has to have something yes so so when you say the, the the emotional firecrackers do you mean from within or do you mean a support network around you i i, I think i think a firecracker uh, comes in my case comes from uh comes from the uh, the legacy that my parents left you know they they worked so hard to 
to for, for the, you know parents work so hard to make to make their kids succeed succeed and and there's something about me that if you know if if I don't make things work if, or if I, if I don't at least try my hardest then all their life work was what was it for you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I, I I remember clearly all the sacrifices they made to put me in a position in which I could you know learn different languages to study abroad uh, uh, be a person that surrounds itself with smart people so that effort counts and and what I do right now is is a, is a reflection of hopefully me doing justice not justice I don't know what's the word but doing uh, doing good for it you know yes. Yeah, it makes absolute sense. It really does. All right. So, so tell me about um, what about uh, what about design then? So something something very hard core design, the way we design and the tools that we use. What would you say has had the biggest impact on the progress of design as a professional pursuit over the last few years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I, so I, I, I'm passionate about design. I love design, and I, I actually believe that. Everything that we do is design, and everything that's around us is design. And and in my specific case, I have a trajectory or a, or a career that I made in, in architecture. But at the same time, the whole time I was creating brands, I was uh, I was communicating in different ways. And one at one point, I realized that more than a designer, I, I was kind of a, I was a storyteller, um, yeah. and I just and I just used different media to express those stories. So if you if you if you look around in a city, everything's a story. Why do buildings have different heights? Why do streets have different names? And it's because each single one of those things has a story. This is there is a need for that. And so design is that. Design is something that applies a, a need, and it puts a certain it gives a certain order to things. But it also it can give a certain beauty and aesthetic for people to digest that better. And and so. So design is the face of a story. Uh, it's what gives shape and form for people to understand that story. So I was standing up presenting a, a skyscraper. I was telling people a story, but I was doing it through the form of a building. Or uh, when I designed a boat, I did the same thing. Or when I designed a brand, I was just telling an emotional story that the owner of their business had about why they created that company. And we just put it through a graphic. Uh, when we do a video, it's the same thing. Somebody wants to tell a story, and all we do is put music on top of it and, and put a, 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 an intro and an outro, and we just wrap it up in a concise manner that designs a digestible way of looking at that story. So that's design. Design can have uh, different ways of expressing itself, and, and I think the progression of design to me is all about how are we going to tell the next story, you yes. know? Yeah, I, I love what you said there, where design is the face of, of the story. I love that. A really nice way of putting <laughs> it. Yeah. All right, so what, what do you see as, as, as new trends for the coming years in, in terms of design in particular? Trends. Um, interesting. So that's something that I'm probably going to get into uh, later on. I, I, I don't know if it's a trend, but I, I think it's something that I'm interested in, which is artificial intelligence. Mm. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, you know, a lot of the things that we see and we don't notice are getting automated. Um, I think when we are, and, and that's why a, a, a service like ours kind of makes sense to, to, this, gener- to this generation and also this, this, the time that we're living. Because uh, 
now everyone wants to tell a story. Now everyone has a TV channel at, at the palm of their hand, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they can have their own TV channel, basically, which is social media. And so they're able to tell a story and they're, they're able to tell their own story. And what we do as designers, we're putting faces to those stories, you know? <laughs> we, we, we are, just to go back to that, we are trying to, with our skill set, let's say, we are we are making it more digestible to society. So everyone is gonna, you know, just by the, just this podcast itself is 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 a, the podcast the podcast and the, the idea that you that somebody's listening to this on their headphones. That's the medium, but we're telling stories. Yeah. Uh, and and then your podcast has a title, right? And, and so so media will eat itself. It is the face to the stories that you are telling. Yeah. So, so that's that's that, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. Artificial intelligence will play a role. I think that's that's one trend, and I, I think the way we'll do it is through automating certain things in which can, people can find you easily. So, you know, media will eat itself will be something that will be easily found in in different platforms, but mm-hmm. with 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 you not doing doing it manually, for example, or okay. people will actually find you based on their interests, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's artificial intelligence. So I think that's Something that instead of instead of being lost in the noise, which is a little bit how how it is now, right? With many things, yeah, yeah. And mostly when everyone's communicating, yeah, yeah, exactly. Before, yeah. yeah, trying to get their own story told. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So so let, let's wrap up with a, a final couple of questions. And, and and my first would be, what advice can you pass on to the new generation of young entrepreneurs and media students, perhaps? Interesting. Um, I think. I think regardless of what anybody wants to do in whatever medium, I think it, I think when you do something, you it has to be because it, it gives purpose to to something that you feel, um, I, I, and that's where you know what people say, which which sounds very cliche. That's what I think where passion comes from. I think if it gives you a sense of purpose, if it gives you a sense of direction, you'll never get tired of it, and you'll never you'll lose a sleep on it because. But it would be a kind of like a good way of losing sleep. You you you'll want to dream about it and think about it, and you're always on it. Uh, so it gives you this high. So I would say just uh, finding purpose will keep you high on design. <laughs> Brilliant! I like that. You you're coming out with some some great. You know, for someone whose whose first language uh, obviously isn't English, you have a <laughs> wonderful turn of phrase. You really do. So how do we contact you, William? Um. People can find me at uh, William at thefutures.io, thefutures, all in, so in plural. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also our website is thefutures.io. Excellent. Wonderful. And thank you so much for joining me in this chat. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sean, for the opportunity. And uh, yeah. That was William Vigilobos. You can find The Futures at uh, thefutures.io. And William is on LinkedIn, too. If you enjoyed our chat, please leave a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use. And thanks again for the messages of support for the show. Keep them coming. And take a look at my own website at seanweston.co.uk for more information about me. Until the next show, bye for now.